Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Um, once again, broadcasting from all points of, uh, of New Orleans, greater metropolitan area, whatever. Yeah, still remote because stupid coronavirus. But anyway, um, as always, I am Aaron and I'm joined by Alfredo and Dave. Hello. Hi. <laughs> and uh, so tonight's going to be a, a, a kind of a um, man. It's, it's, it's like Christmas Eve because a week from tomorrow, Mandalorian season two drops. So not only will it be um, Halloween Eve Eve, but it will be a uh, well, Halloween Eve Eve. That makes no sense. Halloween Eve. Not only will it be that, uh, but uh, it's yeah, Mandalorian season two drops. So man, last year we had to wait until November. Whew. We don't, we this time we had to wait until October thirtieth. And I hope that ding didn't come across, but if it did, oh well. Um, we're recording a little bit different tonight, so uh, we're kind of on the fly, but hey, it'll, we'll, we'll make this work. Um, so, um, by the way, guys, I got to tell you, uh, I'm still addicted to uh, Super Mario uh, 35. I've made it to the top two a couple times in the Battle Royale. Um, but then, Dave, that video that you shared of the two guys playing Mike Tyson's punch out blindfolded and they beat the game in 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, did, it, did it deflate your, uh, your, your efforts there a little bit? Uh, big time. It was like, yeah, it took me like probably half my eighth grade year to, you know, beat Mike Tyson and these dudes. Of course they li- they said they literally wrote a book on how to beat the game. So uh, but anyway, that was that was fun. So that goes back to a couple episodes ago when we were talking video games. Um, it took it took me forty three years though. So in in fairness to you, you still have me beat. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah. So tonight we're going to be uh, re- just doing a quick recap of Mandalorian uh, season one. Just kind of reminding ourselves um, what that was all about before. Um, we dive into some speculation, um, and, uh, news re, um, regarding season two. So, um, we'll play some trailers. We'll discuss, this will be, uh, just kind of a free for all kind of fun, uh, get our hopes up and let them get shot down by Dave Filoni type of an episode. So anyway, um, anything you guys got for the good of the order before we start? Saints are off their bye week, um, so we got Sunday. we have the Panthers on Sunday. Yeah, realistically, uh, we're just hoping for a win there. <laughs> yeah, the whole Teddy connection, and I know there are going to be people who are going to be like, especially if the Panthers win, they're going to be like, oh, we should have kept Teddy. Um, yeah. And that's just I'm not looking forward to having those conversations with people because it's I I would rather have Teddy than um, Hill. Uh, but Breeze was clearly the top choice uh, of the three. So um, the Saints really didn't do anything wrong in that regard. But we get to have those conversations this yeah, Sunday anyway. Yeah, I think the bigger point of discussion has been the fact that we're finally going to have fans back in, this, in the Dome. 3,000 mm. of them. So and I, don't, I know it's not me because I'm not going to be in, in the city for that game. But... I don't think either one of you guys go into this game. 
No. No. Aaron, did you have the option to go to any? Uh, we don't. Not this one. Um, we don't really know how that whole thing is going to work. So, oh well. Um, you know, and whether or not we would go or not. It's, yeah. So, anywho. Well, all right. Well, enough, enough Saints talk. Let's dive into the Mandalorian. And, but first we have to do trivia. And I told you guys I have a little bit of a surprise. We're going to do Mandalorian trivia. Hey! Oh! So I'm breaking from the DVD, you know, Trivial Pursuit edition. And I found some Mandalorian trivia. So, uh, and it's probably filled with a bunch of spam ads. So this, we might have to edit this quite a bit every time I click an answer, you know. All right, so we'll start with Fredo. He's on my left here. Um, go for a softball. And uh, so they have, uh, it is multiple choice. So even more of a softball. So when does the Mandalorian take place? Five years after Revenge of the Sith, five years after The Rise of Skywalker, five years after The Phantom Menace, or five years after Return of the Jedi. Oh, jeez. Come on. <laughs> uh, clearly, it's, yeah, five, it's the five years after Return of the Jedi. Did, wow. Hey, I like the little Wait. bell sound. That, that was totally unexpected. I thought one of you guys did that. That was on the website. All right, cool. Um, yes, it, uh, it takes place... Five years after Return, uh, Reven Return of the Jedi. All right, so... Uh, I thought it was six, to be honest. I thought it was six, but yeah, five, six. Well, according to this website, it's five. Um, so, uh, Dave, what is the Mandalorian's name? A, he doesn't have a name. B, Grief Karga. C, Fennec Shand. Or D, Din Djarin. That would be D, Din Djarin. I like how you guys are sitting there, like, thinking, like, you're taking your time to, you know, add in some suspense. All right, so this is my turn. What is the Mandalorian's armor made of? Durium, Beskar, Mithril, or Carbonite? I am going to say it is Beskar. Yes, Beskar, also known as Mandalorian Steel, it says. All right, we're going to go a couple of rounds here. This, this is fun. Uh, so, Fredo, in the first episode of The Mandalorian, Mando's mithril bounty mentions trying to get home for which holiday? Is it <laughs> Durin's Day, Colonial Day, Freedom Day, or Life Day? Can you get, can I get any softer softballs here? I don't know, the, the, first, the first three sound like white men holidays, you know, Colonial Day and Freedom Day, I mean. <laughs> well, Colonial Day, I want to say has to do with Battlestar Galactica. I want to say Durin's Day is definitely the Hobbit. I don't know what Freedom's Day is from, but so clearly they're, they're looking to trap nerds uh, who are in multiple, fans of multiple properties, but clearly it's Life Day. Come on now. There we go. All right. And uh, Dave, what is the name of the Mandalorian ship? Is it Slave One, Eben Hawk, Razor Crest, or Rogue Shadow? We're going with Razor Crest. You know, my one of my favorite uh, um, uh, robot chicken things, they have Lando and Boba Fett sitting there looking at you know Boba Fett's ship and, he, and Lando says and it's Billy D. Williams says hey Boba love the ship not crazy about the name though <laughs> well again it's interesting they use 
because Rogue Shadow is the ship of Starkiller from Force Unleashed. Uh, Ebon Hawk is the name of the ship in Knights of the Old Republic. So, again, they're looking to trap you by giving you names that you might get confused from other Star Wars properties. Nerd. Okay, anyway, so. <laughs> Dave, what did fans name the child? Baby Jabba, Baby Yoda, Baby Ula, or Baby Mando? Baby Shark. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no, Baby Yoda. I, I would have liked to have seen Baby Jabba, actually. That would have been kind of funny. Um, you got him. It's stinky. All right, so now this is mine. What creature does Mando learn to ride on Arvala 7? Is it a Nogri, a Zabrak, a Bantha, or a Blurg? It is the Blurg. All right, you guys want to do one more? You good? Sure. These are, these are quick. All right, so uh, this time I'm not going to give you any of the options. Okay. What bounty hunter, Fredo, does the Mandalorian team up with to capture the child? IG-11. The other options were Cad Bane, Bosk, and HK-47. I would have liked to have seen Cad Bane. I still think we did see Cad Bane. But anyway. All right. Dave, <clears throat> what does Mando trade with the Jawas who stripped his ship? Is it Suka, the egg? You know, I, I was going to say, I was going to make it hard and make you say it in Jawa. But uh, Mandalorian gets him the egg. Yes, Suka. All right. So what is mine? This is the last one. What is Quill uh, fond of saying? I have spoken. So there we go. There's some Mandalorian trivia. That was kind of, I think it's a little bit different. And the bell was a uh, nice... Uh, Nice, nice, uh, nice touch. So if I do say so myself, um, or whoever just made that website. So thank you. It was probably somebody's like seventh grade, you know, computer class, uh, project, but Hey, it's all good. Um, so let's throw it to Fredo for the news and remember to speak in your best Dan rather voice. <laughs> this was the move. Uh, anyway, so, uh, just a few bit of news for today. Uh, first bit is that, it looks like uh, Cassian Andor is set to start filming as of November 4th of this year. Uh, I want to say there was a website, uh, production list. Uh, they listed the show as Star Wars Andor. So not Cassian Andor, Andor. Begin filming Wednesday, November 4th. Uh, it's currently in production. And that's pretty much it, you know. They do list uh, Tony Gilroy still as the director, but Obviously, we know that he's not going to be directing because of the issues related to travel in the time of the pandemic. Uh, and Toby Haynes going to be directing at least those first three episodes of the Cassian Andor series. But at long last, it looks like it is that show's getting on the road. Can we all agree that that better not be the name of this show? Andor? Oh, gosh. It's going to cause confusion for people. Andor? You mean Endor? Well, and it's just, and, and can we, I mean, obviously they just slap a title on some, it's like, you know, 
Solo, a Star Wars story. Okay, yeah. Now Andor, and then it's going to be, you know, Obi Wan, and it's just, you know, it's, ugh, you know. What if you call it? What if you call it something like uh, the Rebel Spy or the Rebel? I'd say call it Fulcrum. That'd be cool. And, and I've heard somebody say, well, that would be confusing. It's like, oh, Agents of Shield is any less confusing to somebody who did never read Marvel before? You know, it's like. I mean, you can name it does, once if you have a name, then, you know, people watch the first episode. They're oh, OK, that's what this name is about. Or they might not learn how the name, you know, links until like three or four episodes in. But Andor. Right. Ugh. And, well, and realistically, I mean, you know, you're going to be dealing with some people going, but I thought he died at the end of the movie. So there's going to be some confusion no matter what. Just call it something cool and move on. Yeah, they better. He's more well known for his first name than his last, too. I mean, it would be a bad title from that perspective alone. He's more recognizable as a character from his first name, Cassian. After all, didn't wasn't it that Cassian said he told him you had to? Yes, he yes. Didn't say, he didn't say Captain Endor. He said, said Cassian. Cassian. Yes. Anyway, hope they change the name. All right, so cool. Uh, next, next bit of news: something that kind of came out today. Uh, they were interviewing Alden Ehrenreich uh, for Sky One's Brave New World, and somebody that the topic of Solo and um, Solo. Han Solo came out, and here's was his response: "Quote, yeah, possibly. I think there's been a lot of different iterations that you kind of hear rumors about. I have, haven't heard anything real yet, and I don't know that there ever will be anything." But yeah, depending on what it is, on what it is, for sure. End quote. So it's interesting because uh, it's a, you know normally uh, Alden has been kind of mum about coming back to play Han Solo again, but he's open to the idea depending on what the project is. So make Solo two happen. Yeah, I mean you know, and there's of course we've we've seen you know when we've talked about the rumors of this show being in development this show being in development this show and they probably have a gazillion things in development that doesn't mean that's what that they're going to make all of them but this is one that's just i mean the movie is set up to have a sequel the you know the fan base wants it it's like why not you know it's like why why wouldn't you you know it's like if you it are are they worried about their the caddyshack 2 curse or something i don't think that's going to happen here so and to me i mean just from the standpoint of if you make a straight to disney plus sequel to put it that way you know something where you're saying okay you're not going to make a 300 million dollar movie you're not going to put it out to theaters it's just going to go straight to disney plus but you're going to allow uh the cast and crew and the creators of the solo to have a, another go at making it and kind of make something fun something laid back something that's not as serious as some of the other properties we kind of when we talked last weekend about solo star wars movie you know it would create a an interesting dynamic for fans because they'd get more of what they want disney would get more people signing up for disney plus and everybody be happy well i tell you we've uh we might be talking about this a little bit later but um i'm actually becoming more in favor of disney plus series after seeing what they can do with the Mandalorian because it allows you to tell a much broader story not such a you know not such a pinhole of 
you know, you know, this is we're we're in like a week's worth of this person's life, but you can and you can have all these different vignettes you can you know that are still part of one larger arc. Um, I'm I'm down with that, and I would like to see. I think a solo thing would work perfect for that because hey Chewie, we got this job to go. You know, Jabba's sending us here, and then you know all havoc breaks loose. You know, or you know, there's there's all sorts of things they could do. So. There's there's a couple of things at play here. I think like one the they're looking for content for Disney Plus, and they're looking to move away from feature films because they're costlier, um, and they, that's just the reality of the industry right now um, with COVID and everything else. Until they can get people to go to movie theaters, um, they're going to be more focused on streaming. So they're going to be looking for ideas, and there's an idea. This is this is a property that people want to see, um, and it, like you said, all the, the story hasn't been completely told yet. There's a lot of different directions they could take it, a lot of adventures you could get into. Um, so I'm very much in favor of it. I think the problem is that they're going to be very hesitant to move forward with it because there's not really a captain of the ship for that particular property. Um, Ron Howard sort of rescued um, the original movie, but they didn't perform at the box office. I don't know how eager they are to have him back. Um, you know, it was the Kazdans who basically wrote the film. Uh, I'm not sure if they want to go back to them to pen more stories. So I think there's a lot of um, justifiable um, apprehension on Disney's side terms of moving forward with it yeah but but now the now the pressure is off just a little bit you know like the the movie the pressure was on with the movie because solo was one you had to get right you know um you couldn't just put chewbacca in the you know co-pilot seat and all would be well um but since you know it that movie has been so well received by fans i think you could have some different writers um you know have some different directors now that you know, everybody said, okay, this, these people are going to work, you know, so. Well, and I'm just thinking, you know, particularly with the character, the characters of Han Solo and Chewbacca, as we know them, as we know how they are in this part of the universe at this point in their timeline, they'll be perfect for, imagine going to Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and going, okay, guys, here's Han Solo and Chewie, do something with it for Disney+. Plus. It could be a movie, could be a limited series you tell us you know you mean to tell me those guys would just take that and just go wait you mean that can bring in uh you know bosk and java the hut and boba fett and the whole treasure trove characters that come with Han and chewy and not going you know, not try to do the most awesome thing ever so there you can't find somebody to do it it's just i think the question is is there an impetus from Disney and Lucasfilm to continue it on versus no no we, we kind of did that it didn't quite work out we're more focused on getting these other projects off the ground first because there's going to be a point where Alden's going to be like nope I'm done you know I mean look we're you know Kenobi's also going to start filming soon and uh Ewan McGregor never thought he'd be, come back around to that and here it is again I think they have more excitement for Orlando Mm -hmm. series as a possibility I, I, we've heard a lot of rumors about that 
potentially moving forward. So that may be the direction they would choose to go first. Then you could fold in those other characters into that series if you wanted to, and if it were successful enough, then you might feel better about going back to Solo. True. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Okay, uh, so moving away from, well, one more bit of Disney Plus news. Uh, we know that on November 17th, we are getting a Lego Star Wars holiday special. That's right. Can't Can't wait. <laughs> and uh, so they started confirming some of the cast for it. So they're going to be bringing in Kelly Marie Tran as Rose, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Daniels, as well as guys like Matt Lantern, Tom Kane, James Arnold, and T. Bradley Baker, who are all from the various uh, Clone Wars and Rebels uh, TV shows. So the whole idea is reuniting Ray, Finn, Poe, Chewie, Rose, and the Joys for a joyous feast on Life Day. Which, in a weird way, I'm kind of happy that, to have Kelly Marie Tran back. You know, particularly after so much of the negativity that she got and then all the stuff that we discussed around Rise of Skywalker. I mean, this feels like something that's just going to be pleasant and fun and happy. Is uh, uh, Daisy and John and Oscar, are they in this as well? That I'm that I am less sure of. Hold on, I can talk amongst yourselves while uh, I try to find out the answer to that. I thought I thought I, I thought I heard that they were, but uh... and the answer to your question is, they do not know. It's, they're not listed yet. Oh, isn't that interesting? So far, so far the only the only credits uh, IMDb list are Matt Lantern, Dave Bradley Baker, James Arnold Taylor, Tom Kane, and the aforementioned Billy D. Anthony and Kelly Marie. Huh. I'll be darned. All right. Still, okay. still, still be good. Oh, yeah. Well, look, it's it's combining Lego, Star Wars with. And I gotta, I gotta believe that Mark Hamill is involved somehow as well. I mean, this it was just as as a voice actor. But anyway, it'll but still, it'll not, still be awesome. You mean he's still not gonna be cashing checks from his Uber Eats campaign with Patrick Stewart? And did you see the? Uh, did you see the uh, promotional? image that you know, they put out it was the little leg lego hand right. with it with a bow on it so it was like you know luke's hand that was just that was hilarious okay that was just perfect uh but yeah no it's like i said it's uh it's gotta be light-hearted and fun and given it's the holidays and given it's the holidays in the year of our lord 2020 we probably need more lightheartedness to end this year than any other uh speaking of other lighthearted stuff and moving away from the Disney, Disney Plus side, they did have a winner for the Doc Ondar's Legacy Lightsaber contest. You remember a few weeks back they were having a kind of a contest to say, okay, we're going to come up with some new uh, lightsabers for Doc Ondar's. Which one do you want to win? Or which one do you want us to put up next? And the one that won was Cal Kestis's from Jedi Fallen Order. So that one's coming to Doc Ondar's along with Luke Skywalker's Rey's you know, Darth Vader, but the two new ones I'm going to add are Ahsoka Tandos from Clone Wars, so the ones that we saw in Season 7 of Clone Wars, and Count Dooku's, which I'm, that's the one I'm most excited for, because I've loved it ever since I saw it in Attack of the Clones. It was, it was the first, like, really different lightsaber. It was really cool. Yeah. No, what's interesting was, I mean, because we had seen Darth Maul with the double-ended one, 
but that one's just, just straightforward. This one actually had some style, some difference, and it matched the idea of him being a dueling Jedi. He was one-handed all the time. So, so kids, you know what to get Fredo for Christmas or Life Day. So for Life Day, Life Day, please. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Is that is that the news then? That is that is as much news as we're willing to fit today. All right. Well, we're gonna dive into Mandalorian season one. Just doing a brief recap, just to remind ourselves where you know what 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 happened. Um, so, all right. So the. These, remember, all are in chapters. And by the way, I think season two will continue on with the same with the same numbering. They're not going to start over with like chapter one. It's going to be chapter whatever we left off on. But yeah, anyway, so um, all right. So chapter one, the Mandalorian. Um, five years after the fall of the Galactic Empire, a Mandalorian bounty hunter hands his latest bounty to Grief Karga. Then he accepts an under-the-table commission on the outpost world of Navarro from the enigmatic client with apparent Imperial connections, directing him to track down and capture an unnamed 50-year-old target, which we now know is Baby Yoda. Um, chapter 2, The Child, as it's officially known. It's not... We all just called it Baby Yoda. Actually, we, we called it the Yoda Baby, and then we were overruled knows baby yoda i like yoda baby uh, but anyway all right i digress uh chapter two the child while returning to his ship with the child the mandalorian fights and kills a group of rival bunny bounty hunters who ambush him nearing his ship he finds it stripped by jawas for parts and violently confronts them when he tries to attack their sand crawler the jawas stun him and drop him from its roof the following day quill who's the uh ugnaught Helps him locate the Jawas and negotiate for the return of his ship's components. And that's when we all learn Jawa for egg is Suka! Suka! So. Um, and, and this is also the episode when we see that we find out that Baby Yoda is indeed Force-sensitive. Or not just Force-sensitive, but wields that crap pretty well. Because he, you know, stopped the Mudhorn, you know in mid attack chapter yeah he's had some time uh, chapter three the sin the mandalorian delivers the child to the client on navarro and collects the bounty of 20 bars of beskar steel uncharacteristically the mandalorian asks about the client's plans for the child but is told that it's none of his concern he leaves before conflict arises Returning to the Mandalorian Enclave, the Mandalorian had his damaged armor replaced and weapons upgraded by the Armorer, who forges a full uh, Curious from most of the Beskar steel, while the remainder goes to support Mandalorian foundling children. Well, and then we get to the end of this, the Mandalorian ends up springing Baby Yoda from the clutches of, of the client. And we also see that the Doctor who was working on Baby Yoda, had a Kaminoan patch on his shoulder. So, um, yeah, we might talk about that later. Um, so, and now it's the Mandalorian and the the child are, you know, BJ and the bear. Anyway, um, all right. So, Chapter 4, Sanctuary. Arriving on the sparsely populated forest planet Sorgan, 
The Mandalorian encounters ex-rebel shock trooper turned mercenary Cara Dune. Following a short brawl, Dune explains that she is hiding after taking early retirement. Those were air quotes. And asks the Mandalorian to leave while he prepares a ship to desperate fishermen approach. And then it just becomes the seventh samurai and they train the uh, villagers to fight back against the possessed ATST. I don't know. Um, and we, we meet some lady that the Mandalorian obviously really digs, whom we never see again. So far. So far. We might talk about that later. All right. So uh, chapter five was the gunslinger. The Mandalorian defeats a pursuing bounty hunter in a dogfight. He lands his damaged ship at a nearby repair dock, repair dock but run by mechanic uh, Pelimoto in Mos Eisley on Tatooine. Um, so this was nerd heaven. Um, he seeks work in a cantina to put not a cantina, the cantina, please, to pay for repairs, meeting aspiring bounty hunter Toro Calican, who is tracking elite mercenary and assassin Fennec Shand. So then it becomes the two of them team up to go find Fennec Shand. We get to see Tuscan Raiders speak American sign language, which was awesome. Um, we got to see Banthas and Dubaks, and at the very end, we had the mysterious person with spurs, a jangling and a jingling, coming up to Fennec Shan's lifeless body. We didn't see her, you know, question mark. Um, we might talk about that later. Um, but the, the gunslinger is, he's dead. He's dead as a doornail. Um... Chapter 6, The Prisoner. The Mandalorian contracts his former partner, Ran Malik, for work. Uh, Ran welcomes him into the space station and informs the Mandalorian that he needs his ship for a five-man job. He is joined by ex-Imperial sharpshooter Mayfield, uh, Devornian strongman Berg, droid pilot Q90, and Twi'lek knife expert Jean. I think Jan? Jan. 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 Anyway. Uh, for a mission to rescue Jan's brother, Quinn, a uh, prisoner on a New Republic uh, prison ship. Um, th and this episode was a fun, almost 80s horror movie, you know, type of setup. It's a lot of, it was cool camera work, cool, you know, just gets you on the edge of your seat the whole time. Um, and we get to see X-Wings at the end of it. And we'll talk more about X-Wings here in a little bit. Um so chapter seven was the reckoning the mandalorian receives a message from grief karga whose town on navarro has been overrun by ex-imperial troops led by the client karga proposes that the mandalorian uses the child as bait in order to kill the client and free the town in return karga will square things with the guild which would allow the mandalorian and the child to live in peace Sensing a trap, the Mandalorian recruits Cara Dune and Queel to assist him, and Queel brings a rebuilt and reprogrammed IG-11 to protect the child. Um, during the meeting with the client, uh, Moff Gideon's troops open fire on the building and kill the client and his bodyguards. By the way, sorry, rewind. We learned that Baby Yoda has healing powers. He can use the Force to heal because he healed Grief Karga. Um, but anyway, Gar Moff Gideon arrives and a bunch of stormtroopers and a big battle ensues and Queel is running away with uh, baby Yoda and things don't go well for him and the uh, biker scouts end up 
with Baby Yoda. And the second part of that episode, Chapter 8, Redemption. Uh, IG-11 rescues the child from the scout troopers. First of all, this episode starts off with biker scouts beating Baby Yoda. And I, I, I think it made so many people mad. I bet it was a brilliant choice by, by the directors to do that because it just made people so ticked off. Um, and uh, anyway, so IG-11 rescues the child from the scout troopers. Gideon warns Karga, Dune, and the Mandalorian that they face certain death unless they agree to assist him. IG-11 arrives <laughs> riding into town, a whomping and a whooping, everything within an inch of its life. Uh, no, well, that's not what it says here, but it's accurate. Uh, but uh, the Mandalorian sends the others through the sewer grate and the child to find help from the Mandalorian enclave. Um, so basically, it's just escaping from Moff Gideon's troops and Moff Gideon. And at the end of this, the the big surprise at the end was uh, Moff Gideon emerging from a TIE fighter with the Darksaber. So there was eight chapters, just really brief Aaron, you know, uh, Cliff's notes, Sparks notes for you young kids. Um, so I guess uh, just that being said... Um, uh, with what, so as we're going into season two, uh, what loose ends do we have that we need to, uh, that we need to tie up in season two or in coming seasons? What loose ends do we have? Well, um, the main, the main threads that are still out there, um, are the quest to reunite baby Yoda with his people or with the Jedi, people who can help him. Um, so we'll see what form that quest ultimately takes. Um, there are bad people out there who still want Baby Yoda, and we still don't know why. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. We don't know. All, all Moff Gideon said was, you have something that's very important to me. So anyway, yep, yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's the biggest part of it is like we don't know their motivations yet. Um, and there may be other parties because of that, too, uh, that we don't know about that might also want the child. Um, uh, other hanging threads, the Darksaber, uh, of course, uh, making an appearance. Of what happened to the Mandalorians as a people, uh, which is kind of the bigger question that ties in with that smaller one. How did he? How did Moff Gideon get the dark saber? But really, what happened to the Mandalorians in the first place? We still don't know anything about that. Um, and then, a, you know, a smaller piece of the puzzle that may end up being a bigger piece of the puzzle uh, is the who of that cameo that we saw on Tatooine. Um, we still don't know who that was, even though we have theories and ideas. Uh, off the top of my head, there's two kind of questions that I still think, on top of the ones that Dave just listed, which are all really the primary, feel like they're going to be the primary drivers of everything happening this season. You know, the quest for either the Jedi or for Baby Yoda's uh, people, which is one of the two questions that I had in mind is, where did Baby Yoda come from? You know, that's, that's kind of 
in the background because it's going to get folded into the larger story. But we know that that's a question that, if not necessarily has to be answered entirely, this is the first time we actually have one of Yoda's species that's actively involved since Yoda. And, you know, by by nature, what George did, we've you know, known them to be mysterious. So that's one of the questions that I think, you know, is still hanging. The other questions that's kind of sort of still hanging out there is having to do with what is the relationship the Kaminoans have with the, through the doctor to both Moff Gideon and the client. Because they all seem to be connected in some kind of way. We just don't know how. Like, what was, what was the purpose? What did they, why did Gideon want Baby Yoda? And why did the client want Baby Yoda? And I think that is the detail that was just kind of, everybody just kind of brushed past, was mm-hmm. that that was a Kaminoan patch. And so that means there's, we got some cloning. You can, I mean, you can deduce that we're talking about cloning. And so then, and I don't want to get us into speculation just yet, but I mean, it's, it's feasible that they could retcon themselves based on what happened with the rise of Skywalker. Or maybe they, I guess maybe they knew because, you know, they, they, they hustled along, you know, an episode so that when we went and saw the rise of Skywalker, that we knew why Ray could heal, you know, using the force. That's, you know, they showed us the episode of that had baby Yoda heal grief Karga before we all went to the movie. So, uh, so I think, I, I think they probably could have, this could have some Emperor Palpatine, you know, links, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I think you guys hit up all the loose ends that, that I have, um, as well. The things I want to know, I heard on, um, it was on the resistance broadcast, their podcast. Um, you know, Lacey Gillerin said, you know, basically, you know, Disney and, or even Lucasfilm, they're really good at letting you know if somebody's dead, that you see their face, you, you see their face and go, okay, he dead, you know, but so Fennec Shan, all we saw her, her back was to the camera. So I'm wondering if that, you know, if that character is still going to be around, you know, um, cause it's not confirmed that, you know, she just may have been almost dead, you know, nearly dead. Um, the other thing, again, I come back to, uh, the lady, you know, in the episode with, when we meet Cara Dune, you know, the love interest, basically that was set up as, you know, this is going to be a thing. And then we don't get anything more. I wonder if there's going to be another connection. Um, so, um, I'd also like to know who the client was and where he came from. I mean, that you kind of mentioned that Fredo, but, um, and it goes into what Dave was talking about with motivations, but we don't know who that person was in relationship to the empire and everything. Um, so I think there's a lot of things there's, does it have to be wrapped up? No, be nice. So. Well, well, cause what's interesting is because the client is the link between baby Yoda and Mando. He's the one who goes to grief cargo, goes to and says, I need somebody who can procure this for me and says, my best guy is the Mandalorian. That's how they get connected. So, you know, he's the one who chooses Mando to go make this happen and then sends IG-11 to make sure 
the job gets done. So, you know, we discussed this in last year, whether there was some competition between the client and Moff Gideon, whether there was some rivalry, whether he was an underling trying to make sure to follow his boss's orders. All this still kind of hanging in the air because so far we have little way of uh, re reasons for why they're so invested in Baby Yoda. I'll make a short plug too for those early episodes that we did on our podcast where we analyzed each episode. I know a lot of people are going back and rewatching. Um, you know, if our quick little summation that Aaron just did um, isn't sufficient for your needs, or if rewatching isn't sufficient, you can go back and listen to our analysis. And I think a lot of it was um, on point at least in terms of what the creators of the show were trying to do. Um, and I guess, like, this isn't necessarily a plot um, question for me, but I, I am curious as to whether the biggest theme from season one will get carried over. Um, and, and that was this idea of a literal and figurative um, removal of one's armor. Um, and that became such a big part of the story in season one. It was all about Din Djarin, um ultimately going from letting down one's guard and becoming a guardian rather than the guarded. He had guarded himself. He had shielded him from emotion and um, the traumas that he had suffered as a child and uh, he had literal armor on <laughs> to kind of represent this idea. Um, and so the, the idea that he would eventually have to take his armor off to represent what he was going through emotionally was really such a huge part of season one. Now that he's done that, what kind of, where would we go from here? You know, like what are we going to see in terms of, of like these emotional entanglements that he has tried to avoid now he's fully taking them on i don't expect that there won't be bumps in the road for him uh along this journey and i guess i'm, I'm getting into some speculation here but um i i would really I, I would really like to see them continue to embrace that particular theme because it was so important to season one and kind of going up of what you're asking about the mandalorians I guess kind of a hanging thread is when did the change occur within this group of Mandalorians about the whole not removing of the helmet? Because right. we know from past Mandalorian cultures that we've seen that's okay, both move, you know, in the TV shows and whatnot. It's been allowed for you to know the name of the Mandalorian, for them to be visible. You know, the idea of not you know, having to wear the helmet all the time and not being able to take it off as not this is new so when did that happen what prompted it it's all it's going to be interesting if and again speculation the rumors about some of the cast the characters that we'll get to meet because if that if they bring other mandalorians there might be some conflict there so i tell you what before we since we're all starting to go down speculation boulevard here um let's let's go ahead and uh this past monday if you're watching monday night football um was it this past monday is that right? Yeah. Uh, they, there was a special look at the Mandalorian, and it's basically a second trailer. 
Um, so I don't know why they called it a special look. Uh, who cares? Uh, so, but uh, what'd you guys think? Did it did it tell us anything? No. No. Everything <laughs> nothing. It told us almost nothing at all. Except they're being chased by, you know, former Imperial, you know, or, you know, biker scouts. Um, it, you know, it was, it, it, but it's, it's enough to make you go, yeah, you know, that it's coming back. Because uh, we, we really know, the only thing we know of the story is um, we know that he's got to get Baby Yoda to the Jedi. That's, 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 that's all we know, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, the question is either return him to his people or to those who can help him, which is either his own species, his own kind, or the Jedi. And that's really, the, it's going to be far easier to find Jedi. And, but given the state of the galaxy five years after, we know that that's not going to be easy. It's interesting that he's already saying about finding other Mandalorians in order to find the Jedi. Because that's not who I would have thought would guide him towards the Jedi, but eh, that that Im- immediately makes me think Bo-Katan. Well, and that here, okay, so that that leads me to my my point. I think I made it on previous episodes. Things we have not seen in any trailer just as of yet, and that are all these rumored people. The you know the the Bo-Katans, the you know, the Ahsokas, the you know um, the Boba Fetts. The we haven't really even we've seen Moff Gideon for a we've heard his voice or seen him but from last season we haven't seen anything really from this season, um, so all these you know who are who, what are some other rumored you know going to be in there type of things we haven't seen you got, got Bo Katan Ahsoka Tano Boba Fett Cobb Vanth um, and then all the kind of potential cameos that come off of those characters that you can extrapolate, like Sabine Wren, right. Rex, other characters from Rebels. So we haven't seen any of that, and, but the trailers are still, like I said, the trailers are just, and that's what trailers are originally supposed to be, is just like to get you excited for this thing that's coming. Not to tell you the whole stupid story. So I, I like what they've been putting out. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. They recognize, interestingly enough, that the harder sell was last year. Because last year was completely unknown. You don't know what it is. You're hoping it's cool. But you have to get people to sign up. And last year, so you're having to get people to convince them to put their money down to watch Mandalorian, at least the first episode. They had a seven-day pile. And then if they want to keep on, they have to subscribe and keep paying. Now they don't have that concern. Yeah. So people are are aware of what the Mandalorian is. They're aware of Baby Yoda. They're happily pressing that button to get more of it. So the dynamic now shifted to, can we give them more and and go above what we can? You know what? Okay, I just realized something. This this is pretty sly. Because I I got an email um, just a couple days ago saying, hey, your Disney Plus subscription is going to be renewed in a few weeks. Oh, you got the year, right? Yeah. So here's the thing is that I signed up for Disney plus to make sure that I could watch the Mandalorian. So it makes sense. We're going to start season two just a couple weeks before that first subscription 
runs out. <laughs> so I'm two or three episodes in, and then it's like, hey, you need to we're gonna, you need to renew. You know, instead of starting like after you know, I they, so they've got me, and it's like then they've they've got their hooks in me. So you're sly devils, Disney. Um, like I was going to give up that subscription anyway. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, wait, you're going to turn it down? Yeah. No. But it, but it's like I said, it's pretty sly. You know, um, right. it's the timing is is impeccable. Um, that's old school uh, TV model of, of premium TV. Where HBO will show, oh, there's a season premiere of the new TV show happens on the opening on the free weekend, and then, well, if you want to see the rest, you're gonna to have to pay up. So, yeah, there's some drug dealing happening there. So, Fredo, yeah. since, since you're since you're talking, there's a, a variety interview with John Favreau. You want to take us through that? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Uh, so it's interesting because they've been doing both John Favreau and Dave Filoni, and uh, Pedro Pascal have both been doing interviews. So first of all, they start discussing about the whole idea of uh, doing this during the time of COVID. You know, the fact that they literally got in just, I want to say a week before the pandemic shut everything down, they fit, they were, you know, Pedro Pascal rap production. So basically they only had a few things left to do, um, but then they were like having to do stuff on the, on the side while they were away. Uh, so one of the first things that they tell us is, Mandalorian's on schedule to start production season three before the end of this year. Uh, I think Pedro Pascal's filming another movie with Nicolas Cage, and as soon as that's done, they're going right into it before this uh, before 2020 runs out. And well, it was it was uh, Giancarlo Esposito who was talking about season three and season four in an interview, yeah, right? Just, <laughs> so just, yeah, just a few weeks back, uh, yeah, see, he was like, "Season three is going to be even bigger." But you're not gonna get your answers until season four, to which I went like, "Well, I guess Aaron now is gonna have to uh, you know, buy the three-year package, just so he can get his answers." Dang mouse. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so in terms, you know, they discussed some of the innovations that they've done behind the scenes, you know, the whole shooting in the set uh, with the digital screen and everything. You know, that's allowed him to kind of do some things. Uh, to keep filming during the pandemic. Uh, they mentioned about the instant icon status of Baby Yoda. Um, in some ways, the Mandalorian became the standard bearer. So asked about the possibility of the Mandalorian because, you know, birthing its own creative universe. Uh, John Farrow goes, I love the world of Star Wars because on the one hand, there's a familiarity, excuse me, familiarity with its subgenre. But there's also a tremendous amount of flexibility of which you can go on genres you could explore within that subgenre. As we're meeting new characters, and as we're starting to hit our stride from a production standpoint with how this technology can be used, we are beginning to explore where it goes. And we could start to expand what we're doing and our ambitions about what characters we want to follow. So, I mean, they do make the point that John Favreau was the initial creator or the director behind the first two Iron Man movies, which gave rise to the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything that came with it. So saying about that, he says, I learned a lot from my experiences over at Marvel, where it was very organic how it would evolve. You're paying attention to a larger story arcs and characters that could come together, but also small stories of individual characters that can go off and do their own thing. The key here is to keep maintaining the quality and never scaling to the point that we're losing sight of what's important 
what's important, Lucy said, what's important to us, what people like about the show. So do you think they had, do you think they've, they've written, did they write season one and season two in one shot? Or do you think it was, uh, um, I'm just trying, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out if they did better planning than, you know, the sequel trilogy folks. Um, I mean, I could see, I mean, cause here's the thing. This is where having John and Dave Filoni together, I think works well. Cause you know, John is really good about, okay, what is it that we're trying to accomplish here? Whereas Dave Filoni is very much, well, where do I want this story to be at a year from now, two years from now? So merging the, you know, bring those two guys together allows them to start thinking both of the moment, how do we get season one done versus where are we going to be three years from now? Because we're going to be setting up some stuff that we're not going to answer right now. We totally want to get to it, but we better know what we're going to set it up to. Because if we're just making it up on the fly, people may not be happy with the answer we give them three, four years from now. You know, Filoni also gives you that tie-in to what happened before, obviously, because he has the encyclopedic knowledge of everything that's happened and the understanding of what George was trying to do originally and all of that great stuff. So uh, I agree. Like, they're they're just a beautiful pairing because um, Favreau really understands how to tell a human story that resonates with people in the now. And... Um, we talk about them getting into the uh, the Star Wars uh, toy chest and, uh, and and pulling their figures out and just playing within the universe and um, and you know it's a great pairing. And so there was you know there was uh, one thing that they they gave away in that that new trailer and that looks like Horatio Sands' character is back. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 blue fish guy who needs to use the what, what are they the fresher, the fresher. No, he didn't call it the fresher as the vac tube right there's a vac tube yeah but anyway he's trying, yeah, he's trying to get back the whole world for our life day yes so uh, they, they did give they did give that away a little bit that was really the only new thing we saw and by, by the way was that the first time we've seen in live action those imperial troop transports well they had one in season at the end of season one Okay, okay, yeah, because normally, I mean, I, I want to say, all, all I can think of as I saw is like, wait, I've seen you in Rebels, plenty, but I don't think I've seen you in live action. Uh, one other thing, right quick. I before, had one of those as a kid, so I just love seeing those things turn back up now. <laughs> one other thing that uh, they asked Dave Filoni and Pedro Pascal is about the possibility of Mandalorian turning into a movie, you know, given the fact that now that, I mean, Disney Plus has both Marvel properties and characters that start in the movies bleeding over into TV and likewise. Um, so he says, Pascal Sykes, he, Pedro Pascal is like, I would love to make a Mandalorian movie. I've heard no discussion of one as of now. I think the work is beautiful that I would love for that to be held by a big screen experience, but it seems to work so well that I'm also not sure it's something that I would want corrupted by any kind of change, you know? I mean, I certainly know that the challenge can be met. It's not like these people don't have the experience. If anybody can do it, they can. So. I think there's some interest in it, but I also wonder if they would lose something of kind of the magic that they get to put. Because that's the thing. It's like taking something where you've seen it, you know, you kind of form bonds with a TV show on a weekly basis. Then say, no, 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 we're going to put you in a movie theater. I know that some fans kind of love stuff like The X-Files or stuff like that back when used to 
weren't necessarily as thrilled with the idea of, well, now I got to go to the movie theater to get my fix. I, I still haven't seen the Simpsons movie. I had no desire to go see the Simpsons movie. I love watching the Simpsons on a weekly basis, but I just to see a movie, I know. You know, that's why I said earlier, I hope that they, they keep this episodic because you're, you you, you can, there are, you don't have to trim things because you can say, well, we'll just do another episode, you know. Um, it's not like they have to, we're just telling this one narrow story right here. Um, there's no way that a, that a Mandalorian movie could take you to Navarro and to Tatooine and to wherever the place was they fought the demonic ATST. And to you, know, you, you can't do that because it would just be a jumbled mess of a movie. In a TV series, you can totally do that because it's like, all right, we're a couple weeks later. You know, we're still telling the story of BJ and the bear getting to where they need to be. But, you know, today we're kicking around Tatooine. Right. And we talked about the, um, I mean, the, the point, part of the point of this discussion is to sort of project into season two what we think is going to happen and and it's really instructive to look back at season one in order to do that and if you look at a season one like you said Aaron so many of those episodes were very very standalone adventures um there was character development we had plot progression um but but still you could call them diversionary you could call them side quests um there, there was a lot of that kind of fun getting into an adventure that's very self-contained um, going on in season one. And, and I think we're going to definitely see some of that at play in season two as well. We're going to, and again, I'm not going to call them filler episodes because they're going to be important, but they're going to be very um standalone in nature i think and you're going to you're going to have a few of those i mean period i think when you look at it from the standpoint of and mando tells you in the trailer i've been quested this is a quest a quest is not a straight line going from a to b that's you're transporting or you're shipping or you're bringing over this is meandering this is you're gonna hit some dead ends you're gonna have to come back around you're gonna have to double back to places you've been to before to gather new information or pick up something important to go along the way. So I don't necessarily, I, mean, I agree with you, there are going to be plenty of standalone episodes in this season, just as there were in season one. But I think the overall theme of him and Baby Yoda going on this quest to find the Jedi, to find the Mandalorians, to well, connect this baby, it's going to be the bigger point. And that is, that is, be a thread running through. That's, that's far more defined because, you know, the, the first season was just about running away from people you right. know and survival now yes we do have a focus to our mission but i think you can still okay i you know like i've said before i need to get from new orleans to you know san francisco i can stop a lot of places along the way i'm still on my trip to san francisco but i can i can stop in different states and different towns and you know see different things um Go ahead, Dave. There's a question that comes to mind for me from the dialogue that we heard in the trailer and relating to all of this, which is that line about him having to go to the Mandalorians to figure out where to take the baby eventually. Um, again, 
maybe he has some kind of an indication that that is true. Like you said, Bo-Katan could make sense in that regard because she has familiarity with the Jedi. But I wonder, are we going to get faced with a scenario which his desires become at odds with themselves? Like, because I believe him when he says he wants the best for this child, and that's his major focus. However, um, I think he wants to know more about his people and his place with his people and his journey um, in finding out those sorts of answers. The Darksaber, why is it out there? Why are we encountering it now? Um, he's going to be presented with more questions that he's going to want the answers to. And are those two things going to become at odds with one another? You know, it could very well be. Sorry, this, I'm just going to take you mentioned the Darksaber and this just popped into my head. It could very well be that we're going to see um, Sabine Wren and uh, Bo-Katan in flashback form as you know, to when Gideon's explaining how he got the Darksaber, because the last person we saw with it was Bo-Katan, with Sabine standing right next to her. So it, it could very well be that the Mandalorian does not actually, Hi, Sabine, how's it going? Oh, me, oh, you're Bo-Katan, nice to meet you. You know, it, it could very well be this is in flashback form. Now, however, if you're going to have Katie Sackoff, you know, act, being the, the physical actor for this, you know, Maybe that just a flashback scene is not, it may not, you know, might not work. So you say that, and I'll pop in right quick to mention that Dave Filoni did an interview with a French uh, special effects website. So this is coming from a interview he did for them regarding season two. And of course he said, I'm not allowed to tell you anything about second season of Mandalorian because they asked him about Gosari Dawson and Ahsoka. And he says, but yes, we saw the character of Saul Guerrera, who was created by George, go from Clone Wars to Rogue One. So from animation to live action. But then they start asking about uh, the goals of Mental of Season 2 and he goes, without going into too much detail, the challenge was to tell some interesting and moving new stories, evolve our characters, and imagine a solid narrative arc for this whole tale. We also had to think about the scale we wanted to give these adventures. Of course, we want Season 2 to be more spectacular than the first inspired by the tradition from Star Wars to Empire Strikes Back. We try to create situations with suspense surprises while remaining in this universe that we love so much. So you're saying, you know, we might see, because that's the other thing. It's like, we're thinking we're going to get Sabine and Bo-Katan and here comes Ahsoka. And we may get them in a very not happy kind of way yeah. that we're thinking. Now, we might get them in a much darker way. Now, part of that article that you're reading from, they had a, a video um, because one of the great things that we see, get to see more of are more X-Wings. Now, that was totally not what I thought it was going to be. That was all from season one, so I apologize, but it's still X-Wings. No, but, but it brings me to a question because we saw in the first trailer for season two, and actually... In the opening of this special look, second trailer, the X-Wings ordering the Racer Crest to stand down yeah. before they deploy their S-Falls and attack it to the point that the first shot of Season 2 is the Racer Crest all busted up and damaged again. So 
it clearly posits Mando's situation as one where he can't just go to the New Republic. You would think, well, wait a minute, the only Jedi that everybody knows is Luke Skywalker, who's a New Republic hero. Just go to New Republic up and ask him. But clearly, there is some, you know, the New Republic is not acting in any kind of sort of way like the good guys that we knew from when they, when they were the rebellion. They're very much a bureaucratic kind of government that's like, nope, you step, you know, you broke the speed limit, we gotta shoot you down. So, uh, so uh, okay, so I've, here's the question that's been going on in my head, because the first season, they did a really gutsy thing, and I McClunky, I McClunkied myself on that one, I wanted to say something else, but they did a really gutsy thing, and they played their hit in the, in the first, as the first number, where, what I mean by that is that, you know, the the earth-shattering surprise of the whole season was in that first episode when Baby Yoda popped his head out of the crib. I mean, honestly, you can argue maybe the Darksaber, but no, 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 no. That didn't make everybody go, what, 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 like us seeing Baby Yoda. So... And, and that, and again, that's like a band going out on stage and like starting off with their biggest hit and then saying, you know, then expecting to carry the audience through the rest of the show. Mandalorian did that. They gave us, like I said, their biggest surprise right off the get go and then had us hooked. So do you think there's going to be another earth shattering kaboom right out the gate in this, in this uh, first episode of the second season? Do you think they go to that well again? I guess my question would be, what it, what could it be? Well, that could maybe this is a two-parter. Mando dies. Mando dies uh, then he gets up, he loses Baby Yoda. So, uh, so pause for a second. Again, we've talked a lot about check your expectations at the door. So now, are we, I guess, are we all expecting? Because it sounds like I am a little bit. Are we all expecting in this first episode for that huge? you know, surprise, and then when it doesn't come, are we all going to be rabble, 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 rabble? Uh, personally, I think I'd be fine with it. Um, I think part of the reason that we got that big reveal in episode one of the first season was was to grab people. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was necessary to propel the story forward. Well, very much. I mean, that was the story they were telling. They were telling Lone Wolf and Cub. BJ and, and the Bear. <laughs> I, I like to think of it as the Incredible Hulk meets Lone Wolf and Cub because it's very much uh, akin to uh, the old Incredible Hulk series. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, obviously the story they were trying to tell, they needed that character to be introduced but I also feel like it was very much a let's grab people because we have to. We need to get people attached to this show right off the bat to see it through, to decide if they really want to like it and stick with it. Um, uh, so we need to give them something really dramatic right off the bat. I'm not sure you got to do that in season two. I think people are pretty invested at this point. Um now you can still lose people and that happens to me all the time like you you could ask my wife every freaking 
fictional show on television, I eventually watch an episode or two that are just like, eh, that's not so good. And then I've, it's jumped the shark for me and I'm done. Um, you don't want that to happen, of course. But uh, I think people are pretty invested. Um, Baby Yoda was a freaking phenomenon. Uh, it's everywhere. Um, my son is dressing up as the Mandalorian for Halloween, and he's got a baby Yoda to bring along with him. Uh, it's parenting done right. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I, you know, I just think that it's sort of in the zeitgeist at this point to such a degree that they don't necessarily have to worry about grabbing people. You know, and actually, Filoni, you know, with uh, I'm thinking about like the the season premieres of the Rebels seasons those were not ho-hum shows you know there was always something that you know you were you hit the ground running so i don't i don't think even though he's not the writer on this first one is he no um it was favreau i believe um but i i don't think that's in their mo to just uh you know slide right in and just kind of skate through it i think there's going to be it's it it'll be it'll be action-packed i'm just wondering if people don't have that baby yoda moment you know i guess we should i guess maybe we'll just have to mind the you know the twitter to see uh how many people are screaming because they didn't get their big you know reveal i think you make a good point regarding both i think both rebels and clone wars one thing dave filoni always made sure was to start with action. It was, uh, let's hit the ground running, let's get you in a, in a set piece and an action beat, in a battle, in a fight scene, because that's gonna immediately grab your attention. You know? We're gonna put the cast characters you came to see in mortal danger. Uh, but he tended to save the big twists and reveals for later on in the seasons. It used to be something where you'd have to go, okay, we give you the big action, fun, get you, you know, on the ground, uh, moments first, and then he would hit you with the, oh, here comes this character, or here comes this moment, or here comes this big reveal that you hadn't seen coming. Uh, I think the only one, the only time that kind of ever shifted was maybe Rebels season two when Vader popped out of nowhere, but we'd seen Vader in the show before, so we, we knew that he wasn't impossible for him to turn up. Uh, but that's about it. I mean, so, so I, I'm not saying it wouldn't be wrong, and I, I would be interesting to see how people respond to it but also i agree with dave i think because people are invested in the show now i think it's far easier to get away with not putting in one of those bigger shattering reveals right at the outset and kind of you know saving it for maybe episode three or episode four when you know you might need at that moment a twist in the story to take us in a new direction season three of rebels is, is a decent example kind of what we're talking about too which is like you you don't have anything super revelatory happening in that episode but you see Ezra sort of flirt with the dark side and like for us you know who people who are already invested is like jaw dropping right ah, you know holy crap what did he just do he just murdered those people um for people who are maybe less familiar with the canon and, you know, certain things that have gone on before him, probably that's probably less of a dramatic moment for them. 
So I, 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 maybe something like that, you know, like something for longtime fans would be like, oh no, holy cow, that's crazy. But um, I don't know. So that, me, that, that might be my prediction. So let me, let me ask you. Let me ask you this: Do you think we'll hear Baby Yoda speak an actual word or two? And will those first words be "I am Groot"? Because that would be awesome. <laughs> no, what would be funny is he started giggling Yoda style, and he went, "Daddy, you are." <laughs> Still, Yoda speak. Which again, you, you guys are just jumping but, the shark. Okay. Yeah, we're jumping the shark. We're jumping the shark. But but let's. But it is a serious question. Do you think we will hear Baby Yoda speak, or will it just be the coos and cause that we've, you know? I think we'll get some kind of progression. It may not be speech. Um, maybe, we maybe, I was going to say, maybe a, maybe a reveal <laughs> of a new force power. <laughs> maybe he'll say McClunky. McClunky. Well, well, I was like, going to yeah. say, I mean, we already saw him in the trailer as being uh, aware of what Mando, Mando's actions are, because in that beat where everybody laughs, where he sees the little birds activating, and he just goes, pushes the button in his carriage, and just shuts the lid to protect himself so you know that uh there's already uh more understanding of, of him than just him being a baby so cognitive development yes so okay so i guess we can get into what do you, what do we think is coming in this in this season um i feel for and people have to prepare themselves that folks we're going to be talking about jedi and the force sorry and you know what you're also not going to like we're going to talk about uh you know, how they need Baby Yoda for the Emperor who's on Exegol. Maybe that gets alluded to later in the season and gets developed more in season three. I don't know, but I, I, I really think that that's where there, it's more than a, it's, it can't be just a coincidence. You know, um, you know Palpatine was cloning uh, Snokes. He was, you know, we know that. Um, and if he could find somebody of the strongest Jedi ever, you know, if that species is just naturally force sensitive, it would make sense that uh, his, you know, chief, you know, underling whatever in Moff Gideon really wants that to take back to Exegol to get bring his emperor back. Um, and that so like i said buckle up folks because i really do I, I would put money down that that's what's going to happen and there's going to be a lot of people ain't going to like it because they didn't like that part of the rise of skywalker I'm, I'm right there with you on the jedi side of things um i think like given the fact that ahsoka tano is supposed to make an appearance in this show uh, I think it's inevitable that we're going to get a better understanding of the Jedi, the Force, their current status within the galaxy at this time frame, um, and maybe some backstory on Ahsoka and where she's been and what she she has been up to. Um, I think that's a really good bet at this point. Oh, what about? I'm sorry. What about the best? Maybe the best kept secret of this season. Bosk. No, at Bosk. The at the end the at the in the finale. 
they walk into uh, the Jedi Temple that is run by Luke Skywalker, and you you see Mark Hamill. You know, we get a we get a little bit of yeah, we get a little bit of you know Jedi Master Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. Maybe that's the yeah. best kept secret right now. It could very well be. Uh, in terms of the season, I'll, I'll kind of make you laugh because I'll go. This is the season that people who did do the summer reading are not going to like. Because I think having all the goodwill that season one gave Dave Filoni, this is when he's going to bring all the old toys from back in storage and go, I get to play with these again now in this new sandbox. So if you didn't know who Bo-Katan was, if you didn't know who Sabine was, if you didn't know who Ezra was, if you didn't know who Silver was, they're going to be the, you know, they're going to come in now. And for some people, it's going to be like, wait a second, I just came here to see Mando and Baby Yoda. It's like, but it's going to be, again, they're looking, talking about expanding their universe. So we're going to get more of that. And some of that expansion from what we've seen of Dave Filoni is, you know, reintroduce all elements. So Dave, you said you were right there with me on the Jedi. Are you not there with me on the Emperor Link? I think it's v- very possible and plausible, but not necessarily probable. Um, I I think the mysterious nature of Baby Yoda's background has uh, a lot of uh, potential to serve as kind of this MacGuffin. Um, and if you're going to go the route of leaning in these other directions and, and featuring these other characters and bringing in pe- new people and new faces and returning faces and playing in the sandbox like like Fredo says um, you may not get a lot of resolution to that particular story that's, um, that's why I said it might not be paid off until mm-hmm. season 3, Next season 4 but I think you'd I, I would bet yeah. that it's that's where this is leading to Anyway, you know, you might be right. Um, But yeah, I think for season two, I'm very not sold that it will get much at all. So so let me ask real quick. Do you think on a a technical level, do you think we'll get full hour episodes? Because I know last season, they tended to range between what, 27 or or 30 something to 40 some odd minutes. I doubt it. I doubt it because people were mad the first time and then they kind of got over it. Okay. No, because I'm just thinking, if you know, if you got all that interest, all that attention, did they get there? Did they get a budget increase? I mean, that's the other thing. I don't. I mean, it's still about the number of minutes you're putting on film. You know, that it all starts chinging up. So I, I, I would doubt it. I would love it, but I would doubt it. Okay, I'm just. It's something I'll be, I'll be paying in mind. I'll, in the back of my head, I'll be paying attention to just to see, because it might just simply, you know, if we're talking about adding all these new elements, all these old elements to this new show, like at some point, you're right, stuff's got to, you know, if you're trying to fit all this new, all this new meat in the same sausage casing. But a, but a lot of, but a lot of these things, again, we have, we still have no confirmation on Katie Sackoff. We have no, con- uh, you know, on, um, no confirmation on Sabine. You know, we've kind of got confirmation on Ahsoka and and uh, Cobb Vanth just because of the German, you know, Instagram page. Um, but 
but I still, you know, <laughs> to be to be the the American centric American that I am, you know, it's like until I see it on our Instagram page and ain't true, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but still, so we're, we're assuming there's going to be all these things and, um, yeah. So I think, it, I think it's likelier than not at this, at this stage. And, you know, there may be a couple of those names, uh, are going to have smaller roles than you might think, uh, given the weight of those names. Um, but by the same token, I think most of that information is probably correct. Uh, so if you're going to see characters like that, you're going to have fun storytelling potential. And we're not, and uh, I mean, it's pretty, pretty obvious. I think we probably all agree that we're not going to see Ahsoka Tano until, um, episode, until chapter five or whatever it is, the fifth episode of this season, because that's the one Filoni wrote. I mean, there's, there's no... There's there's no way that Paul McCartney is going to let you know the guitar player in his band sing Hey Jude, you know what I mean? It's like, no, no. I mean, that, I think that's when we're going to see, you know, her. Well, and I just want to step up. If you're asking somebody where uh, Ahsoka and these characters have been, John Favreau's not the guy with the answers. It's Dave Filoni. So you leave him the opportunity and the room to write that. You wouldn't say, okay, uh, Rick or, or uh, John, you guys take care of that. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. Because that's something he's been holding in the back of his head since Rebels ended. So what, else, so what else do we think is coming? Dave, what else do you think is coming in this season? I feel really safe in saying that the narrative structure of season two will be similar to season one. Um, it will be a complete arc. It will have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um that will get into their small adventures, you know, their Incredible Hulk meets Lone Wolf and Cub uh, adventures as part of the bigger journey. Um, but there will be a bigger journey. There will be a narrative arc to the season. Um, I feel confident that we're going to continue to see the Western motifs naturally. Um, and as they go into the toy chest and bring in characters like Cobb Vanth and Boba Fett, I really feel good that we're going to get a good, bad, and ugly style showdown at some point. Um, and I, I think it would involve those characters. And it, it may not, and we may not get anything like that, but I just feel like we haven't really had that kind of a gunfight showdown at the OK Corral kind of set piece yet. You've seen... Um, you've seen war, you've seen a shootout between different factions, but you haven't seen a standoff like a like a duel, um, really. So I I feel like that is going to make an appearance for us at some point. Um, and yeah, you know, um, we mentioned I mentioned the Jedi stuff. Uh, I think we're going to get a better understanding of where the Jedi are, but I also think we're going to get a better understanding of where the Mandalorians are. Well, I think we're also, if I can, I told you I'd interrupt, but I think we're going to get a better understanding of how the rest of the in-universe population, uh, I guess, mentally deals with the Jedi. Are they, because, you know, by the time we get to Rey, 
the Jedi are a myth, you know, and actually, I mean, we as audience members were the only ones who knew that, you know, Luke Skywalker was a Jedi and, you know, was, you know, defeated Darth Vader. Really, nobody else knew. Nobody else knew this was going on. So the Jedi had been extinct by everybody's accounts for now... 60 years? Well, about, no, I guess 18 years, I suppose, because... Well, no, how old's Luke and Return of the Jedi? But anyway, you know, people have started to people have started to forget about that. So it'll be interesting when it's like, "Hey, I'm looking for Jedi." I'm like, what the Matanki. or Jedi? You know, I can see that kind. Of, so it'll be interesting to see again what the what the general populace how they perceive Jedi. You know, so go ahead, go I ahead, think, Dave. I think. Well, I was gonna say, I think Luke's exploits are well known. Um, you know, maybe not the far reaches of the galaxy, you know, your backwoods places, but, uh, amongst the core systems, people know what Luke did. Um, most of the novelizations, um, lead into this. And we've, we've seen this reference time and again, that people know of Luke Skywalker and know what he did. Um, so even, even if that's like your baseline for understanding where the Jedi are and how to connect with them, like well luke skywalker that's the only thing i know um I, I think it would be reasonable to assume that he would know that much or at least the residents of the galaxy at large would so uh, that doesn't necessarily mean anything in terms of what you're saying because you can still touch on those story beats the jedi kind of are a myth because it's like luke skywalker did these things well who's luke skywalker where is he what's going on with them I, I, i've never seen luke skywalker you know, I mean, so you can still Jedi, play in myth aspect of it all. Yeah, and the Jedi were not even that common, even at their at the time of the Old Republic's fall. You know, they were not that numerous. You didn't really bump into them. So, unless you were somebody who lived in Coruscant, the chances of running into a Jedi were low. So now that they've been gone for twenty five some odd years, the chances of running into another one are even lower. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, so, like, you can still lean into that kind of a storytelling trope, and it, it can still be effective. But, you know, as far as, like, the Mandalorian back backstory, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about where our protagonist comes from. I want to know more about what happened to Mandalore, what happened to the Darksaber, all of those kinds of things. I'm not sure we're going to get all the answers, but I think we're going to get a few. You know... And so, so here's the thing. Also, I want everybody to remember is that as, as we're three of us are sitting here going, I want, I, I would really like to see this, and I, can, I hope that they do this, and I want. Let's all remember that this is the first time in history that we only had to wait. We actually we only had to wait less than a year for new Star Wars content. That we had to yeah. wait. That we had to wait less than probably three years for new Star Wars content. It's only been since. When you know when, when the Mandalorian episode got done at the end of December, right? So it's not even been a year. Um, then we actually had Clone Wars stuff, but live action Star Wars stuff, we had we didn't have to wait more than a year for, it. and that's just so. So Baby Yoda could come out and you know do a tap dance, and I'll be just like giddy, you know. I mean it. I so all these things we're saying, we hope we see, we hope we see, we hope we see. It's like, I'm just rejoicing that we get live action Star Wars. 
like I said, 10 months later. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, kind of jumping off what Dave kind of pointed out, I'm fairly certain we're going to get more into the backstory of Din Djarin, our lead protagonist, because we didn't get his name till the final chapter of season one. Whether it's, you know, we didn't get that full flashback scene of him getting uh, rescued by the Death Watch at the end of an episode as well. So I think we're finally going to, and there may be something where we're seeing more in flashbacks, him with his parents, whatever memories he has of before that battle, as well as him growing up as a youngling, or a foundling, excuse me, in uh, under the care of the Mandalorians. I think we're going to be approached, because those go to the idea of parenthood and parenting, and if he's trying to be a father to baby Yoda, what are the examples that he knows that he grows up with? Because those tend to influence whether you're going to go one way or another, whether you're going to follow that example or reject it and go a different way kind of thing. So all of that plays into the central dynamic of the show, which is Mando and Baby Yoda. All right, so you know what would be even better is at the end of the season when he ha- when he's handing off you know, Baby Yoda to his people, yeah. is that Baby Yoda, this is when we hear Baby Yoda speak, and he either says, A, bye, bye, Billy, or he pokes at Din Djarin's chest and says, I'll be right here. Be good. <laughs> Sorry. It's a good thing Aaron's not making the Mandalorian. Yeah. I want to see I want to see Baby Yoda playing with a speaking spell in the Razor Crest, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> cockpit. <laughs> I think what would be interesting is if, if he finds the Jedi, finds Luke Skywalker, goes to hand them off, and Baby Yoda looks back and goes, no. And that's the one word we hear of say all season long. Just, no, I don't want to go with that. That, that would actually be kind of fun. Because I, mean, uh, I think everybody, everybody just start bawling, oh my God. Well, here's the, th- here's the thing, though, is that we there is an... It, they have to be thinking about this because we know in the sequel trilogy there's no other Yoda running around. Now, I'm not saying that Baby Yoda gets killed off, but, you know, he's... I, seemingly out of the picture you know 30 years from now it's a good thing this isn't a video podcast because that was creepy uh but you know what i mean it's like so maybe it is they just go off in the sunset by themselves maybe you know it's like maybe you could foreseeable you could see this scene where it's like you know here's this creature luke skywalker and luke's like yeah he's full of the force and baby yoda's like nah i'm going with this dude you know, but and in the trailer, I mean, Mandalorian says, "Wherever I go, he goes." So they're they are they're setting up that they are a team. You know, um, it's the Ezra problem. You have this highly force sensitive being uh, able to dictate the events of the galaxy in a profound way. How do you get it off the chessboard? Um, and because you have to get it off the chessboard for it to align up with the rest of the story. So it's like, okay, well, we need to either off Baby Yoda, which would just, you know, break the internet um, and everybody's hearts. Um, or, you know, you do something like you did with Ezra. You figure out a way to 
move him across the galaxy or out of harm's way in some way so he can just live his life. Con- conveniently, yeah. yeah. Wit- Jedi Witness Protect his program, yeah. Would it be funny if you see the Razor Crest sputtering along and you see Purgle alongside? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You've just written the end of the show. I love it. So we could we could sit here all night and say these are what I, we think is going to happen, blah blah blah. But the bottom line is we're going to know what's going to happen a week from tomorrow um, on October thirtieth. So um, I, I I I won't watch it until after work because my wife and I will watch it together. So please, I'll be so I'll be off social media all that day because I don't want to see what's trending. I don't want to see people going, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. You know? Um, so I recommend to everybody, if you don't want to be spoiled, yeah, stay off social media until you watch it. And you too don't text me. If you watch it first thing in the morning, don't do it. Well, that's what I'm doing. That's, that's what I learned to do. I learned get up at six in the morning and just do it. Then. There is Which, no, it would, it, it, it would be the only way I think that Brittany and I would watch anything at six o'clock in the morning is if there was a Saints game on at six o'clock in the morning. She might wake up for that. Otherwise, it's no, we're going, to, I'm not waking her up at 6 a.m. to watch uh, The Mandalorian. This where, yeah, this is where being a soccer fan comes to my benefit because I'm accustomed to waking up at the crack of dawn to watch something important happening, you know, at a different time zone. So I'll totally do that. I'll, I'll totally get a Friday. Turn on the iPad, you know, cast on the TV and just watch the episode, and then okay, then shower and go to work. So free, free, uh, free to join uh, all the all the masses on social media. So anything to anything for closing thoughts? I'm really excited for this season. Uh, in many ways, Mandalorian has become the flagship bearer for Star Wars, and uh, while there's other product projects and. Uh, movies and TV shows got along the way. They did such a great, just great work with season one. I can't wait to see what they do for season two. I think that's a good point um, and a good way of putting it. It's it really is sort of the standard bearer at this point for Star Wars. I mean, you know, that a lot of people had mixed feelings about the sequel trilogy and the and the the um, spinoff movies. Um, I think that. It, the Mandalorian was more universally acclaimed, um, but even if taking that out of the equation, it's the only live-action property currently going right now, so it's very present in our minds. And so I think it's important. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. So I, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer here, but uh, I just want to remind you all that the you know the Eagles their first record was was awesome and then their second album out of the gate was a cowboy record that confused the everybody and really nobody liked it they liked it better when linda ronstadt recorded desperado rather than them so even though we got filoni and favreau there is the chance that they have that sophomore slump you know and whether it's a even whether it's a sophomore slump or not it may be read that way by the audience you know because the empire strikes back we know was different from a new hope and it wasn't received in the same way and a lot of people thought it was too different 
And and to your point, Dave, I mean, that's why I've said, you know, I say again, I think everybody just needs to check expectations at the door. Don't get, don't just assume it's going to be a sophomore slump and don't also assume that it's going to be, you know, a remake of their, of the same debut album, you know, take it for what it is and enjoy the ride. So, um, so anyway, with, with that, I think we will wrap it up for tonight. A uh, reminder that you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Google Podcasts and on uh, um, Podbean. And we're on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and we have our individual accounts on Twitter. So please hit us up about Star Wars stuff or now video games as well. Because Dave played, what was it, Ghosts and Ghouls and you didn't oh, destroy gosh. things? <laughs> um, was it Ghosts and Goblins? Yeah, that's rough. Um but I also tell people, uh, remind you all to leave us a review. Leave us a positive review if you like what you hear. Yeah, if it's negative, don't leave that crap, no. Yeah, we don't need it. We don't need negativity in our lives, you know. But, uh, um, but And if you have any ideas of things you want to hear us talk about, send it our way. We'll, we'll, we'll BS with the best of them. So, um, but with that, uh, we'll say uh, let's hope that the, the Saints have a good outing on Sunday. So we'll say who dat. And uh, we will catch you. Um, we won't be. Ta- I don't know how we're going to do this, guys, because we record on Thursday nights, and the uh, Mandalorian comes out on Friday. So we might have to adjust our recording schedule. Stay tuned as to when the next episode will come out. But until then, we'll say bye bye.